ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it, get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. Hey, how you doing there? Stephen Holder here with Zach Kiefer. It's another episode of 1% Better, uh, probably our strangest episode yet, Zach, because uh, the world is a very strange place right now, but we're also knee deep you mean the colts spending a bunch of money in free agency right that's what you're talking about (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, yeah. exactly exactly (laughs) the whole pandemic thing is totally not the point um but it is it's weird right so i told someone actually had a radio interview earlier and i uh i was asked you know how am i holding up and i said well you know look i mean i'm you know, sequestered like everybody else. The the difference is I'm sequestered because I've just been working constantly for the last, you know, 48 or 72 hours on yep. Colts free agency, which is just bizarre. So, like, I don't know the difference, but apparently there's a lot going on out there and I should probably get caught up on that. I told, I, <sighs> I don't know about you, but after I filed my river story last night, about eight o'clock, when I finally got the kids down, I poured a very large bourbon and I needed it because it's been a long <laughs> well couple done. of days and, and not just. With free agency, but you know, kind of working from home, and and I hope everyone out there is staying safe and dealing the best as we can because it's it sounds like it's going to get worse before it gets better. Yeah, it is. Uh, what a world right now! So it's a scary place, but look, all we can do is, is live the best we can, and and so we'll do what we do, and you do what you do, and uh, for us, that's talk about the Colts, and we got a lot to talk about this week. So let's dive into this. Uh, this is a this has been a big week so far. All right, let's start Sunday afternoon. We get right. word of Anthony Costanzo re-signing a two-year deal, which we never expected. We thought it'd be one. So that was huge. Get their left tackle back in place. Then on Monday, out of nowhere, no one anywhere in, in the country saw this coming. The Colts swing a trade for DeForest Buckner with the 49ers. And then yesterday, uh, obviously signing uh, Phillip Rivers, their new quarterback, to a one-year deal. Okay, look, we thought the Colts might be active, I guess, this spring. But uh, did you expect this much splash, Zach? Um, No, but I will say this, and you and I have talked about this before, and the fans out there know who follow this team closely, the tea leaves were there. If you go back and you listen and you pay attention and you read, the man tells you what he's thinking. And by that, I mean Chris Ballard. And there were some very, very timely quotes both in January and in February that now come straight to the top of my mind. You know, one, I'm obsessed with the offensive and defensive lines. I'm always going to be trying to upgrade those positions. The three technique drives this thing. What does he do? He trades his first round pick for a pro bowl defensive tackle, a guy that's going to reshape that defensive line and maybe that defense for the next three or four or five years. I mean, that's how big of a trade that was. And the Colts are thrilled to get this guy in the building. I mean, you see the money they're paying him. And then secondly, um, I thought yesterday, and I want to get your thoughts on this as well. Yesterday was a very loud and clear statement. We are not okay with 7-9. and We are not okay with 30th in the league in passing. We are not okay with what we had at quarterback last year. They said all the nice things about Jacoby Brissett, and they really do like a lot about Jacoby Brissett. That was not good enough. And I think the fans that watched this team in December would agree. And there's so many things about Jacoby Reset. There's so many things that Philip Rivers is going to do differently. I'm not sure the skill set is a huge, huge step up. But I do think he fits their scheme a lot more. And by that, I mean Frank Reich wants to be aggressive more than anything. They weren't last year. And I think that is one of the underlying reasons why Rivers is the quarterback now. 
Yeah, it, it is interesting. I think that this is this is a move that I'll say this. <laughs> this move is not a slam dunk, right? Right. I think we got to find out. Um, I, I think the the one thing we don't know here is what are we going to see for Philip Rivers? You know, with a um, with a, a set of skills position players that maybe aren't as good as what he had. Yeah. In in Los Angeles, uh, what are we going to see from him? Um, you know, in just a, in a different setting, he won't be as mobile. Uh, that was something the Colts have had with their recent quarterbacks. But I think, despite all that, it has it has a very high potential payoff here, right? Because they're going to get the big plays they haven't gotten and all that, or at least they think. But but I also think, you know, listen, Frank Reich and Chris Ballard, they're putting themselves out there a little bit on this. And yeah. I'm okay with that, though. I'm okay with it. They're, they're, I'm not saying that in a critical sense. What I'm saying is I think they know – they had to do something. They got to make. They got to make an effort. They got to try something, and and not just let what they think is a very talented team kind of go to waste right now. And what they've had the last couple of years, or I should say, the last season with Jacoby Brissett, is a situation where you have a quarterback who can do some good things, who can keep you afloat, and all of that. The problem is when the rest of the team isn't getting it done. Uh, we saw Andrew Luck take that team. And, and get it over those humps at those moments. Uh, this team with Jacoby Brissett did not have that ability to do that. So, or he didn't have the ability to do that. So it's one thing when everyone's playing well around him, he was very good. And when everyone around him was playing poorly, he played poorly. And so I think he's really more a product of, of, the team, as opposed to being a guy who can lead the team. And so that's not a, a knock on Jacoby. That's just a reality. That's what he is. And I don't think anybody in the building would try to talk you out of that. I think that is something they would, in a moment of honesty, probably agree with. So so here we are. And this is going to be very different now. Can this, you know, will this work out? But I think it's it's totally the opposite. And that's what teams do, right? With coaches, players, whatever. You fire a coach, you hire the opposite. Right. <laughs> They got, they're getting or they're moving on from the quarterback. They're really getting the opposite of what they had, frankly. So this is going to be very interesting. It, um, I thought, I, did I'm, I'm going to wait to see it play out. Did you think of Ballard's friction comment when this was all playing out and when it was eventually signed? Mm-hmm. I mean, and I, you know, it, it kind of hit me later, like, this is what he was talking about. This is exactly what he was talking about. And from talking to people around the league, people who have, you know, covered Rivers for years – you know, talking about the locker room presence that he has and, you know, even his teammates and reading their quotes about this guy. This is exactly what Ballard was talking about. He didn't have that veteran guy in the locker room last year to fix a team that was falling apart. Five and two became seven to nine because they let it happen. And that really, really, really ticked Chris Ballard off. And I think, I think Rivers is being brought in here to be a quarterback one, but also to show these young guys what is acceptable and and what happens when a season starts to go south. I think that's a huge role here. And you know how Chris thinks, you know how you know he wants to build this locker room and how important the locker room is to him. That friction comment he made January 2nd. I thought about that a lot last night because it makes a lot of sense in everything I've heard about Philip Rivers. And then secondly, and you wrote about this and I thought this was a really good point. Frank tells you what he wants in his offense. Frank is a Tom Moore, Doug Peterson guy. He is step on the gas, keep your foot on the gas, and he wants to be aggressive. 
and it had to kill him last year late in the season because his offense was the exact opposite. It was boring. It was predictable. It was too reliant on the run game, and it killed him. There were injuries. There was a lot of factors in that. Jacoby was slow to process defenses. He was slow to release the ball. It was bad all around. I think Rivers is the exact opposite. And some of the quotes Frank has given in the past, while he was uh, OC in San Diego, really, really speak to that. He basically said, you know, look, this guy sees it faster than anybody else. I would put Brady up there as well. But look, that's important here in Frank's offense. I don't think there's going to be much... Um, in terms of transitioning for Philip Rivers, he's going to walk in, and I think he's going to have the offense pretty down pat. I think him and Sirianni and Wright. That's what I hear. That's going to be a huge, huge addition for this team. You don't have to really acclimate a new quarterback to the system because he already knows the system. And then secondly, Frank likes to be aggressive. They're going to take downfield shots. They're going to try and keep defenses guessing and keep them on their heels. This is a really important point. They're going to look a lot more like Andrew Luck when he was the quarterback here, than they did last year with Jacoby Brissett. And I think fans are going to really enjoy watching that. There will be some interceptions, though. But as Frank has said multiple times, he can live with the interceptions as long as the aggressive big plays happen. And you pointed out just how bad they were at big plays last year. Yeah, that is that is a key. And, and that is uh, something when the Colts look back at last year. And even during the season, it was something that that really struck them. And so let's let's dive into that. It's a great segue because actually that was something I I noted that I wanted to touch on. And uh, if you remember last year, the game down in Houston, the Colts are I think at that point were within a game or two. If they of win the Texans, that, they're in first place in the division going into December, I believe. Okay, there you go. So they were a game out, had a chance to tie it, take the lead because they would have had the the season sweep of of Houston. And so here they go. Down in Houston, they're running the ball like nobody's business all over the Texans that night. Yeah, you know what they couldn't do? They couldn't make a play down the field. Longest completion of the night, fourteen yards. I went and b- went back and looked at it. And so coming out of that game, I remember I had an exchange with Frank in the following days, and he said, "You know, our biggest problem was, and really this was him sort of responding to, uh, I guess, my criticism about you yeah." Know, why they weren't more aggressive at the end of the game and they ran the ball in some places where I thought wasn't smart or whatever. I think but I tweeted anyway, during that that's game, how this throw the damn started ball in. at basically one point. Ex- <laughs> Exactly. And so basically what happened is, you know, he, he was actually trying to address why he decided what he did. But then he actually made a revelation. He went back and he said, look, you know what? Uh, why, the reason we lost that game was we gave up too many big plays. And he says, we have a formula for there's about 10 different categories and he outlined them. I don't remember them all right now. doesn't matter. The point is he outlined about eight or 10 different categories. And if they win a majority of those categories, they almost always win the game. Well, among those categories is big plays. How many for you? How many for your opponent? Right. The Colts were losing that category. They were winning it early because their defense was, was playing great. As the defense started to falter, that's where they had issues, and they couldn't compensate for it on offense. Now, defensively, they're middle of the pack last year in allowing big plays. Yeah. But offensively, they were 30th. 38 so big that plays, imbalance kills you. 38 yeah. big plays in the entire season, 30th in yeah. the NFL, and it's no coincidence they were 30th in the league in passing. And you heard what Frank said early January. He said, look, people around here are used to great quarterbacks and great passing attacks. He was talking about Peyton Manning. He was talking about Andrew Luck. 
It was abysmal last year. They weren't going to settle for that happening again. And I think that was the impetus behind $25 million for one year for Phillip Rivers. Yeah. It, now, there will be some, uh, I guess, reaction to the to the money. I don't care because it's a one-year deal. And the Colts have plenty of cap space this year. There are no future implications. So I think just to give some context on that, I think that's why you see the $25 million. I remember my son saw the deal. And he walked in. He walked in and saw me sitting at my desk writing about it. He's like, $25 million? I was like, yeah, but you know, the, the thinking there is it's a, it's a one-and-done deal. You know, you're not going to be paying him money into the future because of future guarantees or anything like that. Now, right. They may keep him next year. I don't know. We'll, we'll get to that uh, a long time from now. But the point is... If as a player you're you're gonna make more in a short term deal in terms of cash, you're probably gonna get more in the short term than in a longer term deal because there you're getting both the financial and uh, long term commitment versus here you're getting no long term commitment. So maybe you get more on the cash if that makes sense. So just from a negotiating standpoint, uh, that is what enabled I think Philip Rivers to get the twenty five million because if he if they go in there and do a two-year deal, he's not. He's probably, in my estimation, not getting twenty-five million because now you're talking about we're counting on you being the same player two years from now. And how right. could you even begin to know that? And, so, and that, and so that's, that, that's the explanation. That's yeah. what you're paying a starting quarterback in this league. It's a little high for sure, but like yeah. you said, I think you're paying for the flexibility you will be afforded next spring if you want to keep him back and you can't work something out. You can franchise him. That's very expensive, but I could do that. We're talking about a situation that. The Colts don't have a long term. They don't have a long term plan, or they don't have a long term. Really, I mean, they, they're still looking, and that was your story for today. Is like that, you know, this is the short term play. This gives them time to figure out their long term plan. I still think the draft is in order. They still have the thirty fourth overall pick and the forty fourth overall pick. They've not ruled out making another move. You know, Chris Ballard, if he sees a guy he likes and he sees he can, a guy he can get, I wouldn't rule them out moving back up. Um, they've got some flexibility, but they did give up that 13th pick, which probably takes them out of one of those top QBs in the draft. But look, I mean, things are going to be different in Indy next year. In a lot of ways, the offense is going to look different. What do you think about Rivers in terms of on the field and what we Mm -hmm. know about how the Colts evaluated him? And does this guy have anything left? Well, here's the deal. So the staff went back and looked at every single throw that Philip Philip Rivers made last season. And that's a lot of throws, right? Correct. They throw the ball down there. So they were able to get a very good sense of of what he can and can't do. They also, mind you, looked at the top quarterbacks in the draft and the throws that they made. Correct. And so a preponderance of evidence after doing all of that, the preponderance of evidence apparently led Frank Reich in particular, to say, this is my guy. Now, obviously, Chris Ballard had to be on board with this, but I really got to feel every indication here, and you know this too, Zach, is that Frank Reich is the guy driving this thing. There's no question about it. And and I think we know that because who was the other quarterback? (laughs) Right. Yeah, absolutely. Wouldn't you lean on Frank Reich's expertise in this situation? He knows the position (laughs) so well. He's coached so many great quarterbacks. I mean – I mean, he knows a little bit about the position. Uh, <laughs> right. By the way, keep in mind, folks, the other quarterback they were entertaining, acquiring, was Nick Foles down in Jacksonville. Yeah. And so I had a source who told me in no uncertain terms, yeah, they talked to 
The Colts talked to Jacksonville. They were talking about a deal. I don't know how far it got, but they were talking about a deal. Uh, the Jaguars' impression was, you know what, uh, we're willing to to engage here, but uh, they're probably going to go get Phillip Rivers. That was the impression the Jaguars got. So, so this was their guy. After all of that, that film breakdown, and after all of that uh, sort of thinking and discussing and et cetera, and considering all their options. Uh, it was Philip Rivers. I so, like Rivers over Foles any day of the week. Any day of the week. I think the upside's higher with with Rivers. I think that's for sure. Um, it looked. I, I think that Rivers is probably gonna. He's gonna take more risk, right? There's no question about that. And, yeah. and there are there are possible pitfalls there. That's that's who he I don't is. think Foles is but, a step up. But you know that from Brissett. I just don't. I agree I mean, with that. I know what he did against the Patriots in the Super Bowl. I know what he did in that miracle, magical run in Philadelphia. And I know that Frank Reich was right there next to him the whole way. But give me Phillip Rivers any day of the week, twice on Sunday, over Nick Foles. The Colts made the right move. Yeah, I think I think Nick Foles caught lightning in a bottle for a little bit there. And and listen, I, I won't take it away from him. You can't take it away from him because he's got the trophy to prove it. But the point yeah. is, uh, that is – that that's that's not a huge sample size and and i don't think it's necessarily representative of what nick Foles is uh, i think that is probably a discussion that you'd have to have I, I don't know that it is so so anyhow um here here's my question um just generally speaking how much of an upgrade is rivers i mean we, we agree he's an upgrade is right. this a huge upgrade i mean are they a a significantly better team are they a marginally better team i mean what what do you think I think they're, they're going to be more fun, think, right? We yeah, said that, but for but sure, they, but how much better the interest? Um, I think they're a marginally better team and they can be a lot better. And here's why from those I've talked to rivers still has it. His arms still there. He forced some throws last year. A lot of people, multiple people said, look, this guy had an awful offensive line and he just started he throwing balls up because he was frustrated mid season. And that's going to change in Indianapolis. The Colts got their left tackle back. They've got all five starters back, and I've said this for months. They've got a great running back in Marlon Mack. They need to add some weapons on the edge. T.Y. Hilton is going to like this move. Believe me, he's going to like this move. Jack Doyle's back. They need to add a tight end. I I like the receivers in the draft. Let's assume they stockpile some more offensive weapons. Phillip Rivers does not need to be an MVP. He just needs to be a couple ticks better than Jacoby Brissett last year. And that's going to mean maybe 9 or 10 or 11 wins. I really believe it. The roster is solid. The defense just got a hell of a lot better on Monday with this trade. And Rivers just needs to fall back into his 2018 form. Not last year, the year before. He threw 32 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. He averaged a passer rating above 105. That's all the Colts need. They don't need Andrew Luck. They don't need Peyton Manning. They just need average to above average quarterbacking play to really – turn seven to nine into a 10 win season. I really believe that. Um, I think Rice going to scheme things open. I think he's going to use Naheem Hines a lot more as a pass, uh, as a pass catcher. Rivers loves tight ends. You know how much Frank Reich loves tight ends. They're going to get Jack Doyle the ball. They're going to get whoever, you know, Mo Alley Cox, whoever the next tight ends the ball. Um, I think this just, just works in a lot of ways because there won't be a ton asked of Rivers besides do what you've always done. He won't have to lift the team up like he had to do in San Diego a lot of times. And I just think, look, the Colts didn't need an MVP at quarterback last year. They just needed to be 
better than 30th in the league in passing, maybe 15th, maybe 12th. I think Rivers can do that for them. And I think a little improvement can totally change the tenor of a season. Yeah, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah, I, I think I agree with that. You know, I will say this. These w- people have made this link between the Colts and Phillip Rivers since the day the Chargers uh, put out a public statement saying right. they weren't going to retain him, right? So th- now most of that was was just talk at the time and, and just people connecting dots. And we've said that. We've talked about that. Uh, the Colts played this close to the vest. No one really knew where this was going. But, but here's what I'd say. Uh, while I admit, I think there were times throughout this where both of us were sitting here like, you know, I'm not completely sold they're going to do this. Yeah. We always, it was always on the table. I mean, no one ever denied that, but I was never totally convinced it would happen. But here's because the they'd never done that this before. Said, they'd never well, gone yeah, out yeah, and yeah, signed yeah. this kind of free agent before, but with Ballard. Right. It's totally out of character for them. And so until you see precedent, it's hard to really predict that it's going to go that way. But that being said, despite, despite those statements, and I, and I, I think that was a, a fear position what i would also say is you know what i never thought this was a terrible idea like i i didn't know if they do it but i remember writing a story initially saying you know what i could see it working i wrote that you know like are I you surprised february let me ask you this i've seen a lot of blowback on this move there are fans that like it i have and there are fans that absolutely hate this move are you surprised by that uh, a little bit, uh, especially in light of what a lot of those fans said about Jacoby Brissett. <laughs> That's what last I'm year. saying. You guys were the same I mean, ones like, killing Jacoby on, late in the season, and rightly so because that <laughs> offense was miserable to watch. It was bad, dude. I get it. Don't you so, want anything okay. besides that? Well, I thought they did. <laughs> now I'm not so sure. I don't know, but fans will be fans, right? I mean, right. It's, That's it's why short it's fun. for fanatic. Right. And that's that's what we do in sports. Right. We're never happy. But I will say uh, until this they're holding the trophy. This is like you said a minute ago. This is Reich and this is Ballard and this is them putting this. They're like saying they're basically putting their reputations on the line. And I think fans would at least acknowledge the fact that Frank Reich knows a heck of a lot more about quarterback play than than every one of us. And they they have a reason for this. You know, they really mm-hmm. they really did their work on this. And there's a reason they made this move. They didn't just make it because Frank Reich used to work with Philip Rivers. And they didn't make it just because they needed to do something different from Jacoby Brissett. There was a lot of thought, a lot of weeks of work that went into this. Um, and I think the fans would, would have to acknowledge the fact that they didn't just make this move just to make it. Um, they chose this guy. They went out there and they pursued him. They, you know, they researched it. They watched all the tape. Um, I think fans would have to acknowledge that that Reich knows what he's doing. Yeah, and then I, I think also this is a recognition by Chris Ballard and Jim Mersey that, you know what, Frank, we trust you. And I think you have to do that and, with your head look, coach. You'll always yeah, you'll always see this happen in in situations where you have a, a symbiotic relationship between coach and GM, which is what you should have. You, know, you you tend to see the the GM or front office every so often you got to give the coach what he wants. And if the coach says, hey, and if he's if he's earned this right, that is, right? If he's earned the right to make these kinds of calls and he says to you, this is my guy, I need him. I can make this happen. Right. Well, if you hired him, right? Yeah. You believe in that guy. Well, if you believe in him, then maybe you should you got to give him some leeway there and say, all right, we're going to go with it. I, I think 
going this route for one year with the one year commitment and and the team that they have and Frank Reich's confidence in this, I I think it's worth a try. I don't. I wonder if we see the, what's the downside. I guess is what right, I'm saying. If right. you don't and, have a future quarterback now, anyway. And this is the, I mean, this is what you've done. This is what you put on your head coach. This is the third different starting quarterback Frank Reich will have in his three years in Indianapolis. He's never going to come out and complain about that. He had Andrew Luck in year one, <laughs> Jacoby last year, Philip Rivers this year. That's challenging. Frank will handle it better than most. I can guarantee you that. Nick Sirianni being here as well. And don't forget they added a passing game coordinator. They brought in Mike Groh to coach the receivers. All of that right. is with was with this in mind. Um, and I wonder if this might reinvig- reinvigorate Philip Rivers a little bit. 16 years in one place yeah. is a long time. You've kind of seen what Tom Brady's thinking in terms of just, I want to get out of here and do something different. Rivers is going to come into a completely different locker room for the first time. There's a lot of young energy in that locker room. He gets to play behind a guy like Quentin Nelson. He gets to play with Anthony Costanzo, who we talked to yesterday, and is feeling as better, as good as he's ever felt in the NFL. Um, and and like Rivers was in football purgatory the last couple of years. They're playing in L.A. Nobody cares about them. He's driving in from San Diego mm. every day. I mean, he was having to do silent snap counts at home games. I mean, that's not going to be the case at Lucas Oil <laughs> Stadium. So. He's yeah. leaving a place that, frankly, they didn't even want the Chargers there. And and that's that's a shame because they've had a lot of good seasons and he's been a really, really good franchise quarterback for a decade and a half. And it's going to be completely different in Indianapolis. And I wrote about this today. For Colts fans out there old enough to remember, one of the more crushing playoff losses was 07, the team that followed the Super Bowl win. They were 13-3. and They were really damn good. And they lost to Rivers. And Billy Volek, Billy freaking Volek, if, if you remember, and Rivers was taunting the fans as he left the RCA Dome that day. So they did not like Philip Rivers. I think that will change in the weeks and months to come. Uh, but this is a fiery guy. A lot of teammates have said he's the number one guy you want in your huddle. Um, it's just such a fascinating turn of events for this guy to come to Indy. But I think he's going to maybe really, really be invigorated by a change in scenery, working with Reich and Sirianni again. And, and really working for a city and a team that's maybe ready to take the next step and seem in terms of playoff contention. I think we haven't talked enough about the move on Monday, but I think these two huge moves they've made in the last 48 hours really puts them back in the picture, the playoff picture in the AFC. And you consider New England's going to take a step back. You don't know what's going to happen. Everyone's chasing Kansas City, but I think the Colts are very much back in the playoff picture with these two moves. Yeah, and, and that's a great segue because I, I do want to talk about DeForest Buckner because I think I, I think it could actually be, um, at least over the long term, this will be a more impactful move potentially than even yeah. Phillip Rivers. Yeah. And, and I don't think people realize that. And obviously he's not a quarterback, so we're never going to talk about a defensive tackle uh, in the same breath as a quarterback. However, this is a guy with a five-year deal. Uh, he's 26 years old, or about to be. I think he's turning 26 this week. Yesterday, I think. he turned 26. I think, yeah. So uh, he's just turned 26 years old. They got him for five years. This guy, look, I've talked to my colleagues out in the Bay Area. I was on uh, the 49ers flagship station as well today, and <laughs> let me tell you something: people rave about this guy. They said this guy was maybe their best defensive player. <laughs> that's what they think about outside of Bosa. Um, that, that's well, saying there something is, there is because the I love the but, 49ers defensive line. I love the way they built yeah. that team. And I know another guy they who talks about the way they him built in that the team. Same, 
they talk about him in the same breath as Bosa. I mean, and I think he's never you're, – you're probably never going to be – no one's ever going to be the guy on that defense because there's just too many big names, right? But uh, and certainly in terms of, of attention and just name recognition. But, but man, this guy, he's got a chance here to be special. Okay, listen, there is a reason that Tony Dungy had to have Booger McFarland during that Super Bowl run. There's a reason they went out there, I think, and gave up a second-round pick, if I'm not mistaken. The three-technique uh, drives there was a, this thing. That's right. And and this is Booger McFarland we're talking about. Yeah. Okay, this guy is a much better player than Booger ever was. And Booger's a good friend of mine. But this guy, Booger McFarland, ain't, was never half the player this guy is. Okay? And yet, Booger McFarland you know, played a really pivotal role, not necessarily in getting numbers. And maybe you didn't see. No, he changed things. Colts fans remember that Super Bowl run. He changed that defensive line. And that's what the impact here can be. Look, this defense, I know last year was a roller coaster and, and there's a lot, there's a lot of reasons for that. Some of them, you know, to do with the offense even, but, but I would say this, this defense, I think it was at a a crossroads. I thought in this off season, are they going to turn the corner? Are they going to be that unit that they've been talking about becoming, or are they just kind of just going to kind of middle along, or just sort of um, right, just sort of be run of the mill? And I think they have a chance now to really take it to the next level. And this guy could be a game changer. I mean, look, go back to speaking of Tony Dungy, right? Uh, his the guy who made it happen for him in Tampa Bay, Warren Sapp, three technique. Now right. this guy's not Warren Sapp, one of the best not three techniques ever, right? I mean, the first ballot Hall of Famer and all, but but I would say this uh, doesn't mean he can't have uh, for the Colts the kind of impact Warren Sapp had for the Bucks. You know, with I mean, they had a Hall of Fame defense all around. So, but yet he he rose above all of those guys and was and was the standout. Him and and uh, Darius Leonard actually that's a great little example. In fact, because oh, excuse me, him and Derek Brooks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting ahead of myself here. <laughs> yeah, right. But it's, yeah, remember, the the, remember the Warren Sapp and Darius Darius Leonard combination? Remember that? Um, anyhow, but that's what it is. This has a potential. Now, you've got DeForest Buckner, and then you got Darius Leonard sort of coming behind him to clean up. Yep. And Darius Leonard is going to make a shitload of tackles. This is, with this this guy. is a great move for Darius Leonard. And it's also a great move for Kenny Moore, for Pierre Desir. Yep. For Rocky Sin, for everyone on that defense. If you remember, and I led my story off this a couple of days ago, do you remember the New Orleans game? So it's a unique setup. Monday Night Football, we're in the open air press box, right? So we can hear how loud it is. Maybe the loudest stadium I've heard in the NFL. Incredible. And the Colts are getting their brains beat in. And, and Ballard's just sitting up there. He's a couple rows to the side of us, and, and no one's really sitting with them. Sometimes he has. Someone else from the personnel department there, just him, just sitting there watching. You don't really team. want to sit by him. <laughs> yeah, right. He's getting, I mean, his team's just getting, just getting rolled and he's sitting there and there's no pressure at all on the quarterback. And that drove him crazy. And he talked about it a couple of weeks later at the end of our season press conference. And he said, look, you know, you give up those big plays and it gets your ass beat and you give up, you know, three, four five seconds to throw to a guy like Drew Brees. He's going to go 29 for 30 for four touchdowns. Those kind of things stay with him. And I guarantee you that game stayed with him when he was deciding we need to get better at the three technique and we don't need to just draft someone at the 13th pick. I want to go get one of the best nose defensive tackles in the league. That's what they did Monday. And they are really, really pumped about this move. I mean, I know they gave up a lot that 13th pick, 
But inside that building on West 56th Street, they are jacked to get to Forrest Buckner. So I've said this a few times already this week. I'll repeat it again. I've said it on this podcast before. Uh, Justin Houston last year, great season, 11 sacks. They got everything they paid for, from, and then some, honestly, uh, from Justin Houston. And yet the pass rush last year, I thought it was like not impressive right. as, a, as a whole, as a team. I, that pass rush was very just sort of blah for me last year. And so you try to figure that out. Why is that? And it's because they didn't get any interior rush. I mean, it helps, obviously, if you've got two defensive ends who are humming at the same time. They never really had that. I like Jabal Sheard. He did a great job. Uh, is he an elite pass rusher? No, he's an effective pass rusher. Great signing back in 17, though. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know that he's come, that he comes back. But be that as it may, uh, what they didn't have was someone to collapse the pocket on the inside. Danico Autry took a little bit of a step back, man. He just did. Yeah. But, I mean, look, I think he deserves no. to be on this football team, and he's a huge part of it. But, look, you didn't get nine sacks out of your three technique. I mean, because – that's a that's a one off. You don't get that very often, right. like he did in 2018. So last year he comes back down to earth. He's playing hurt sometimes, and so he doesn't have the same kind of season. I don't Marcus know if they Hunt make this move if, if really Audrey doesn't take a little bit of a step back. I think the impetus was there. Like yeah. we, we need to be proactive about this. We need we can't just settle. This needs to be better. Yeah, and look, Autry has I think. Already outplayed his contract. That was a bargain signing. They're paying this guy like five million bucks a year. Yeah. But uh, look, they they didn't get the consistency that they wanted there, and they did something about it. And I'm telling you, I just I really feel like they have. This is the biggest difference maker potentially if he sort of lives up to the hype. DeForest Buckner could be the diff, the biggest difference maker the Colts have had at uh, defensive tackle since I don't even know when. Yeah, I I can't tell you the last guy they had at defensive tackle who, when opposing coaches turn on the tape, they say we can't block this guy. Right, like name him. It's going to Tony Siragusa, maybe. I guess um, it's going to change. Look how everything far back we got because do. you got fifty three right behind him, and don't forget about yeah. fifty eight either. Bobby Okereke played really really well at the end of the season. He's got a lot of speed, and if you combine that with you know Anthony Walker's been very steady the last two years. There are some weapons on that defense. They need to get better in the secondary. Um, and I don't think they're done at safety just yet. But um, Buckner changes everything. And you, I think you're right. Rivers is the bigger move and, and the bigger headline right now. Long term, Buckner's the bigger play. Yeah, and you just kind of hit on this, and I'll I'll take it another step. The, the defense's potential here, I think they feel like – and I just hit on this a little bit earlier, but I think the defense's potential is – is closer to where they thought it should be at this point. Because I think people forget, ever since uh, Chris Ballard walked in the door, he didn't spend a lot of time that day talking about Andrew Luck, or quarterback for that matter. Right. What he did talk about a lot was we got to build a defense. And that's something he's talked about repeatedly. Obviously, there's been a lot of quarterback conversation over the years because of Andrew's injuries and the comings and goings. I get that. But when Chris Ballard has talked about building his team, he never talks about quarterback. You never. know what? He, like, never. He craves a dominant defense. And there's another thing I thought about this. He's a defensive this, guy. People yeah, forget that. It's, it's never going to change for him. He coached that side of the ball. This is getting ahead of myself, and that's fine, But because they've got a ways to go before they compete with Kansas City. Everybody does. Let's be honest. How do you impact Mahomes 
it from the pocket. That's right. Right up the middle. And they beat him Nobody last year on the road. The I know. But this this is how you do it. And then you got a guy like Leonard who's fast as hell and they can go sideline to sideline. I guarantee you that thought goes through his mind. Same thing with Watson. Ballard is building a defense that can compete and harass and slow down the best quarterbacks in his conference that he's going to be facing the next couple of years. Watson's not going anywhere, although he lost a huge weapon. And Colts fans should be drinking a beer to celebrate Hopkins leaving the division. And Mahomes, Watson and Mahomes, what do they do? They they make plays they shouldn't make outside of the pocket because there's no interior pressure. Buckner's going to change that. Buckner is going to change that, and Leonard's going to be uh, probably the guy that benefits the most coming from behind. But um, but don't underestimate that move thinking, I mean, the Colts, and you've talked to people as well, they don't think they're that far off. I don't think Super Bowl, but I think making a serious run into the second or third week of January is not something they think is impossible. They beat both AFC finalists this year. They're thinking Houston. They're thinking Kansas City. They're thinking Tennessee. They're thinking, how do we hang with these guys and how do we beat these guys? And I guarantee you the Buckner move is a response to that. That's how they want to get better, and that's where they want to get better is that defensive line. You know, look, man, the reality is the Colts were sitting at home watching the playoffs last year, and you know you know what their reaction kind of was? Give me a break. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, really? Houston, Tennessee, why not us? Hey, they that got, was their they reaction got nobody to, it. to blame but themselves. The Colts. It's true. They it's missed true. the kicks. They didn't hit, you know, they missed the throws. They blew that season, but you're right. I feel like, but they can roster, do something about that it. That roster's there. It's there. Yeah. I think they just needed to add a couple pieces, and that's what they did the last two days. Well, let's let's continue on that train of thought because uh, let's let's branch out a little bit here because I I do think that if you look at the AFC South because that's where it's going to have to start, right? I mean, this ain't a Super Bowl conversation. This is about can you go out there and try to win the damn division? Right. That's where yeah. you start, and right. that's always the goal. And it's going to be a Get lot in the harder. Playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, get in the playoffs, see what happens. So here's the thing. So if you look at the AFC South, I feel, I mean, we're too, we're like, wait, we're not even really into free agency because it hasn't officially even started until this afternoon as of this recording. But of the moves we've seen, and there have been quite a few moves, the team in the AFC South that I think <laughs> did the most damage so far clearly is the Colts. There is no question about that. Yeah. Uh, they are the team that is the most improved between the three moves that we've already discussed. You've got Houston going the other way. Uh, Bill O'Brien, someone stop this man. What is he doing? <laughs> okay. He's making sure and the then, Colts are better next year and the Titans are better next year. All right, goodness. Now, Tennessee obviously locking up Ryan Tannehill. I think they had to do that. I don't know if he's going to be the same guy for the next yeah. three or four or five years, we'll see. But but certainly that was probably the best of their options. And then at the same time, though, they're leaving Derrick Henry sitting there looking his chops like, where's mine? So that's something to watch as well. But I but they're the same team. They haven't necessarily uh, added to what they have. So And I don't even know what their, their cap situation is that to in terms of allowing them to do that. So Tennessee is kind of standing pat. For the most part, obviously the draft is where it's at, but at least in free agency for the most part, they're pretty much static. Uh, Houston, we've already talked about. Jacksonville, they got to get their act together. This may be somewhat of a rebuild at this point. I think so. Yeah, they've just continued to ship out every major defensive piece. So the team in the AFC South, again, I mean, I don't like to buy into the fool's goal of free agency too much, but I think this is a little different. I mean, these aren't – I think this is a team that was already – that was already equipped in many ways, but has some shortcomings. 
and they've addressed those. So I, I really do think this is a team that's that's in the hunt in this division. I have no doubt about that. It's impossible to do it. It's impossible to say here. they haven't gotten better than that in the last two yeah. days. I yeah. mean, the Colts by I think by any by any comparison across the league have made two of the moves that have made them better in a way that very few teams out there have done. I mean, it's, it, like you see, you know, they're adding to the defensive line in a spot that's you just don't like. From what I heard, you just don't get a DeForest Buckner in free agency. He never makes it to free agency. That's the kind of move they made to get him. Or you don't get him at 13th in the draft either. That's another good point. And who says the Colts would have hit at 13? I mean, they're really confident they hit on this trade because they have such a big body of evidence to use with Buckner. They clearly got better at quarterback. We're not sure how much better, um, but it, it got a bit better than they were last year at twenty in 2019. You just got to get better downfield. So um, we'll see what they do with Jacoby Brissett because that remains to be seen. Yeah. Yeah, that we, we didn't get into that. But, but I think he is imminently tradable, especially if the Colts pay this upcoming bonus. They owe him a bonus of $7 million uh, within days, in fact. Uh, so the clock's ticking on that. I think if you're a potential suitor and you want – to trade for Jacoby Brissett, you probably wait them out and let that date hit. At that point, the bonus triggers, the Colts have to pay it, and then there's only $8 million remaining on the deal at that point. So I've actually uh, touched base with a, a front office source this morning and <laughs> somewhere else in the league, and he said, you know, that is a very reasonable amount after the bonus is paid. Yeah. And he's very tradable. And so look, so that, that's a guy from another team. Chargers, so, New England. There are teams that need quarterbacks out there. I think Jacoby's a very enticing backup quarterback. I think he's, you know, I think there's a market for him. What do the Colts get back? Fourth rounder, maybe. Um, but uh, no doubt, it, it, was it would di- be ideal. Yeah, yeah it'd be ideal in a situation like like Las Vegas. They made the deal for Mariota this week, uh, right? Because maybe they're not too sure about Derek Carr, uh, and I think that's the kind of situation. You'd be looking for if you're the Colts to try to make a deal there. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, that will have to play itself out. Um, but I, I do think there's a market there. Uh, let's hey, let's put a bow on the on the the AFC conversation because I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about <laughs> number twelve, the number twelve, <laughs> Tom Brady. Listen, I'm not going to be petty, but we get a lot of grief from Patriots fans, right? Just because we cover the Colts, I know you right. get it, I get it, right? Kravitz definitely gets it. Mr. Deflategate. Right. <laughs> Although he's an easy target anyway. But uh, listen, I got to say, I'm not saying I'm enjoying this, but I'm kind of enjoying this. <laughs> All I'm going to say is I'm going to be watching. I'm not going to be able to turn away because over or under eight games until the season, until Bruce Arians gets gets him killed. I mean, <laughs> Bruce Arians is going to have his quarterback drop back. He's going to have him throw deep. And if that offensive line isn't absolutely elite, 43-year-old Tom Brady might get killed back there. I mean, Andrew Luck nearly got killed in his rookie year, and Andrew Luck is mobile. I don't know if this goes well. I know they've got some awesome weapons. I love the tight end there. They've got 2,000-yard receivers and Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. But I don't know, man. I I don't know. I'm going to be watching. It's going to be entertaining as hell. I have no idea how it's going to go, but I can't wait to see it. I will say this. You know what's so funny about this is that you could argue that Phillip Rivers is a much better fit for Bruce. <laughs> now, he's not mobile, right. but uh, but I don't think that's necessarily the uh, a deal breaker. Because, I mean, look, he's going to be shotgun all day, 
and uh, and chuck it <laughs> as many times as possible, right? A lot of deep crosses, a lot of deep routes. Uh, Phillip Rivers is fine with that, man, if you could protect him. So I actually think Phillip would have been a great fit in Tampa. I don't know whether that was ever a consideration for either side, but it's kind of interesting. They went with Tom Brady, who has been captain check down <laughs> for, yeah. for at least the past year. So I'm very interested to see how this works. All I know is apparently you can't get a Bucks season ticket right now uh, because they're crashing the Ticketmaster website down there. So, look, I spent eight years covering the Bucks, and uh, there's never been this much interest in that team, certainly not in my time. So this what, is kind of interesting. You have – an expertise from covering that team for so long. They haven't made the playoffs since 07. Brady's got more playoff wins by himself than they do as an entire franchise. All that. That's amazing. How is this going to go in terms of him being down in Tampa? Like, what's training camp going to be like? Because it's all of a sudden it's going to be a circus. And, like, I feel like it's going to be such a jarring transition for him. He's he's known one place for 20 years. And, and Bruce is such a different coach than Belichick. Like, Bruce is going to be his buddy and – they're going to talk shit to each other. And it's just going to be – it's just such a fascinating pairing. I would have never thought at the start of the season Tom Brady at 43 years old was going to choose to finish his career in Tampa Bay. You know what's so weird, though? If you think about this, Tom Brady – and none, none of us really know Tom Brady. Right. But if you just look at the – just look at the evidence that he provides us with. Tom Brady shows a lot of personality in certain instances. Now, he doesn't do it, certainly not in his press conferences and not uh, in interviews and so forth. And and generally, what we see publicly, we don't see a lot of that personality. But we do see – look at his social media oftentimes. You, I yeah. mean, this guy, all of a sudden now, he's like Mr. Crack a Joke all the time. I mean, this guy, I, th- I loved his uh, his Super Bowl tease, remember? Yeah. Uh, that he posted that that photo of him walking into the tuttle. Of course, it was a promotion, and he kind of got a big laugh out of it. But uh, it was very effective, by the way. But my point is, I think there have been instances where you see Tom Brady uh, show that personality. And um, look, he's, he's married to a superstar model, someone who is – was a very very public person and like he actually for a guy who who you think is is sort of uptight and boring at least the 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 image that he tends to portray at times he's really there's also evidence that he's really this totally other guy so i think it's going to be very interesting to see how he blends in i actually think he will adapt pretty well to that uh, potentially just if he's the guy he appears to be at least you know when when he's not around Bill Belichick. <laughs> okay. It's so going to be completely different. Right. He's going to, it's yeah. going to be a relaxed atmosphere. It's going to be completely different than the absolute machine that is New England. Brady was the outlier. Everything else just kept churned, the merciless churn, right? Just, I don't care how good you right. are. I don't care how many Super Bowls you helped us win. If you can't perform, you're out. And Brady was the one guy that stayed. It's going to be totally different. And, and maybe he wants that. Maybe he wants sort of a refreshing change of scenery. Um, down in Tampa, but I'm still not sure they're a competitor in the NFC for the for the Super Bowl. But we'll see. Everything can change. Well, I I will tell you this. I thought last year the problem in Tampa Bay was the quarterback, so they've changed the quarterback. So we will right. see. <laughs> man, what a what a few days, man. Um, I I knew that this could be an interesting uh free agency period i don't think we were ready for what was actually going to transpire you know we talked about this even with chris ballard you know just in terms of back of the combine just in terms of you know what might happen with all the tr- the quarterback movement and and all of that that had been 
uh, sort of speculated. It actually happened, man. That's the thing. I thought this was um, this was crazy. And, and the Tom Brady thing is just seismic, obviously. Right. So um, right. that was I, – I, it's funny. I was watching the national news yesterday as that news came down. And, and I don't mean sports. I'm talking about, you know, coronavirus yeah. you know, headlines. They paused for a moment <laughs> and actually – Gave a bulletin to say Tom Brady was leaving the New England Patriots. That's how big a story that was. I mean, I was I was like, well, yeah, I guess I get it, you know. So uh, that's what we're talking about, folks. It's uh, it's an exciting time to be an NFL fan. Hopefully, we get some clarity at some point on when the season gets going, and we don't know what's going to happen in the off season. That's in danger. But the the point is, uh, there will be football again at some point. And uh, Philip Rivers and DeForest Buckner and Anthony Costanza will be members of the Indianapolis Colts. So that'll be fun. So, Zach, back to work. Uh, There's more to come, I think. Right. I think so, too. So, hey, guys, thanks for listening. If you're not a subscriber, listen, uh, I know this is a a weird time in the sporting world, but uh, listen, there are hundreds of stories still being published on The Athletic, so I don't know how we're doing it, but uh, we are, and we've got tons of plans more, even for the sports that aren't uh, active right now. Uh, Our writers are busy developing uh, some pretty cool stuff, in fact. So so take a look and uh, check us out. Uh, the subscription is still worth it. And if you are a subscriber, please uh, check us out. There's lots already on there on what the Colts have done and more to come, including a column from Bob Kravitz. So, hey, thanks for listening. Stephen Holder with Zach Kiefer, and this is 1% Better.